You're listening to You Asked For It, a sermon series based on questions submitted by you. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Everybody's good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them how fabulous you look today. Tell them they need to know they're sitting next to a good-looking person today. Hey, they're blessed. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad you are joining us today. I know that we just had announcements, but I want to make just one more quick announcement to you. How many of y'all know what happens Wednesday, July 4th? Yeah, July 4th. 4th of July. Great. You guys are smart. Hey, so it is a holiday, and so we're not going to have Wednesday night Bible study. Everybody say, oh... I'm just, I'm just as upset as you guys are. I really am. And so, uh, but take advantage of that time. Spend some time with your family. Just enjoy the day, but be safe out there, all right? Uh, but no, no Wednesday night activities this week. All right, so we are in a series we have titled, You Asked For It. You Asked For It. We're giving you guys an opportunity to submit questions or topics that you'd like to hear a message on. And I really do. I want to encourage you to continue to submit those questions and those topics. The way you can do it is by grabbing one of the information cards in your seat. And on the back, there's a spot that says prayer request. You can write uh, right there on a prayer request what your question is, your topic is. And you can drop it in one of our offering drop boxes on your way out. Uh, and if we don't get to answering your question in this series, you never know, your question actually might turn into an entire series on its own. So again, continue to submit those questions. Uh, you know, help us out with that. We like to really kind of pick y'all's brain about what you'd like to hear on a Sunday uh, morning. But as we start today, uh, let me ask this question. How many of y'all know that grammar is important? Grammar really is important. There's a lot of people who say, man, really does grammar matter? Does spelling matter? Is it, is it important? Well, the answer is yes. See, I'm from Pearl, Mississippi, and uh, I've never been accused of being the brightest crayon in the box or the sharpest knife uh, in the drawer, but I I do understand and I do know that things like punctuation, the placement of periods and commas and semicolons and colons and all those things, the placement of those things is very important. Punctuation can actually change the entire meaning of a sentence. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that punctuation really can save a person's life. You know what I mean? Uh, Like, for example, how many of y'all like to eat? How many of y'all like to eat? Man, I love to eat. I love buffets. That's why I'll never have uh, abs. I got an abba. And so uh, I actually broke one of my buttons this morning on my shirt. Y'all please say all again. Thank you. I really felt bad. I was like, Ugh. anyway, so, so, uh, but anyway, I like to eat. And so let's say that you like to eat, man. You know, you're really hungry. And so you send somebody a text message. Let's say that you send your dad a text message. And I mean, you're so excited about eating. And so you say, hey, let's eat, dad. You might send something like this. And it might say, you, let's eat, dad. And there might be an exclamation point there. You're so excited about eating. Well, how many of y'all know that is not correct? Unless you're a zombie. Some of y'all are like, that looks right to me. That right there can get you arrested. You know what I'm saying? That is a threat that you are going to kill your dad and then eat him. That is not what it really should look like. If you want to say, hey, let's eat dad, here's what it should say. Let's eat, comma, dad, right? You don't want to eat dad. That's nasty, okay? Don't do that. Punctuation really is important. There's a church in St. Louis that learned this lesson when they put this sign up in front of their church. Check this out. It says... Best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come and eat Pastor Thomas Resler. 
Y'all pray for that guy. He's still recovering. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. I don't really know, but that's terrible right there, right? I'd be finding a new sign guy because punctuation really is important. How many of y'all, how many of y'all uh, know hunting seasons just right around the corner, deer season? Everybody, anybody excited about that? I know I am. I'm excited about deer season. I'm going to try to bow hunt this year. Y'all pray for me. But anyway, I'm going to try to bow hunt. And so check out this sign. Hunting season right around the corner. Check out this sign here. It says, hunters, please use caution when hunting pedestrians using walk trails. These are real signs, man. I don't know if they only care about hunters and they're like, hey, just be careful when you're trying to kill somebody on a walking trail, man. That's terrible right there, right? Punctuation really is important. It's just a small thing. Just a small thing, but again, it can completely change the meaning of something. True story. Uh, things like proper spelling, too. Again, that's, the, that's very important. Y'all know that, right? Uh, this is a true story. I remember when I first started ministry, uh, uh, I was kind of at a church, and, and I wore many hats at the church. I had a lot, of, a lot of roles or a lot of titles. I was the senior pastor. I was the associate pastor. I was the youth pastor. I was the song director. You know, I did my hands like this and all that. Uh, I was the daycare director. I was a maintenance man. I was the secretary for a while. I worked myself right into high blood pressure and counseling. You know what I mean? I really did. I worked hard. But one of the things that I did every week was I printed something that we called the bulletin, okay? And the bulletin was a piece of paper. You put it in your chair, and it would have the song selection for the week. It would have the scripture reference for the sermon. It would have, you know, just weekly announcements and stuff like that. And so I printed that up every week. Well, one week, you know, I typed it all up, and I, I spell-checked it, and I didn't see anything underlined in red. You know what I mean? So that looked like it was all correct to me. That was good enough for me, amen? So I pressed print on that, uh, on that bulletin. Uh, made all the copies. I folded all the copies and I put them out on Sunday morning for everybody in the church to get. Well, here's the deal. We were selling t-shirts at the church. You know what I mean? And so I said, hey, stop by the church and get your shirt. At least that's what I I wanted to say. That's what I thought I said. Uh, But apparently I had left out the R uh, in that. And so instead of telling people to stop by the church to get their shirt, I said, stop by the, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Okay. Some of y'all were like, oh, But really, it's a true story. I remember I'm from Pearl. Anyways, grammar really does matter. Spelling really does matter. That's a true story. Uh, And so the question that we're going to look at today is, does it matter how I live my life? doesn't matter how I live my life. Can I just live my life however I want? Because there really are. There are some people who really believe that. So does it matter how I live? The short answer is Yes, but, but Robert, is it really a big deal? Again, the short answer is yes, yes. And if you and I will decide to really live our lives the right kind of way, even though we're just one person, even though we're just a few people, what I want you to know is that if we'll decide to live right, we can completely change things, just like punctuation, just like spelling, just like grammar. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is a very smart person. Jesus really is a very powerful person. Jesus Christ died, and it wasn't just a regular death. I mean, it was a horrific death. And, and after he died, he was placed in a tomb. And he was in that tomb for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected from the grave. He was dead, and now he's alive. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. And so if someone like that says something, you and I really ought to kind of take note of what it is that he's saying. You and I really ought to pay attention to what he is saying. And so look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. What kind of gate? The narrow 
gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So how many people are going to enter through the broad gate? Many, a bunch, that's right. Think about it like this, broad and, and wide. That, that, that is the, the road that the majority of people are, are on. That is the, the road that the majority, that many people travel. It's the way that many people live their life. It's the crowd. It's where you and I have a tendency of wanting to be because we say, well, everybody else is doing this. And, and they don't seem to be having such a bad life. Everybody else seems to be doing it, so it must be okay. That many people can't be wrong. But unfortunately, Jesus said the many, Jesus said the crowd are on a path that leads where? To destruction. And look at what he says next in verse 14. He says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. How many find it? A few. Jesus said only a few find it. Let me, let me just say this. If your life looks like everybody else's life, if you are doing what everybody else is doing, if you're pretty normal when it comes to uh, the way the world is and in terms of today's society, it could be because you are on a road that leads to destruction. But see, when you leave the, the normal road and you get on that smaller one where few people really are, normal people, people of the world will look at you and they will know that you are different. Your life won't be the same as theirs. It won't, look, won't be the same as theirs. It won't look the same. You won't talk the same way everybody else is talking. You won't do the same things that everybody else really is doing. So yes, it very much matters how you live your life. And I just want to invite you today to follow the teachings of Jesus. I want to invite you to think about the way that you're living your life right now. And I want you to decide today that you're going to purpose in your heart that you are going to live differently, that you're not going to be like everybody else, that you're not going to, going to, you're not going to be, be normal. Because can we just really admit that normal really isn't working? Normal really isn't working very well. Think about life. What's considered to be normal when it comes to your schedule? To be, to be overwhelmed, right? That's normal. To be stressed, to be panicked, to be overworked, to never have enough time for what truly is important. That's what's normal in today's society. Normal isn't working. What's normal when it comes to your money today? Normal is the pursuit of material things and, 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 and things that you think are going to make you happy, but once you get them, they break and you still got to pay for them. So you find out they never make you happy. Normal is trying to keep up with the Joneses, but once you finally catch up with them, they refinance, right? And they they get something new. And so you just can't ever catch up with them. You can't ever keep up with them. Normal is broke. Normal is being in debt. Normal is married couples fighting about money. I wish there were some people here who knew today that normal just isn't working. Think about work. What's normal when it comes to work? Normal is working for a paycheck. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Normal is doing something that you don't really like just to get by. Normal is feeling like there's got to be something more, but you can't quite put your finger on it and figure out what it is. What's normal when it comes to a relationship today? 
Normal for most relationships is, you know what I mean, you jump from bed to bed to bed to bed to bed with different people until you finally decide, hey, I'm going to marry this individual. And so you get five, six, seven years into that marriage, and since things aren't going very well, you forget about the fact that you said, hey, you know what, marriage is for good times and bad times. It is for better and for worse. Normal for more than half the people in our country is divorce, and nobody bats an eye. Nobody bats an eye. Again, folks, normal is not working. See, Jesus over and over and over again, over and over and over again, he really, he really told you and I and tells you and I not to live a normal life. He challenged what society considered to be normal. Our society teaches us the normal thing to do is look out for yourself, right? Look out for number one. That's what society teaches. The great theologian Ricky Bobby said, hey, if you ain't first, you're last, Right? That's what he said. That's really what society believes. But look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus said, or the Bible says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Jesus and Ricky Bobby, they have this completely different idea of how you and I should live our life here on earth. Normal for our world is to make all you can, save all you can, can all you save and sit on the can. You know what I mean? Normal is to be stingy. But what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 6 verse 38? Here's what he said. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, it matters how you live your life. Look at what else Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you? Does that mean like give them a good punch in the throat? Because that's what's normal in our society, right? Normal is I'm going to get them back. Real good. That's what normal is. But is that what Jesus is talking about? No, look what he says. Goes on in verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn them the turn to them the other one also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Again, the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of the Bible tell us that the way we live our life, it matters. The scripture teaches us not to be normal. God's holy word leads us off the normal, broad path and onto a very different path, a very narrow path that few people actually are on. See, if you want what normal people have, just continue to do what everybody else is doing. If you want what normal people have, just continue to do what everybody else is doing. But if you want what few people have, you're going to do what you're going to have to do what few people are actually willing to do, and that is take the word of God seriously. But I promise you, listen to me. I promise that if you'll take the word of God seriously, you'll see that God has something far better for you than normal. God has something far better for you. And so today I just want to give you two practical Things, two practical things that I think you and I need to realize when it comes to how we live our life. How, how does it really matter if, how we live our life? The answer is yes, again. But if you're taking notes, you want to write them down. The first thing I want you to see is this, is that God wants to change the way that you think. It's really important. God wants to change 
the way you think. The Apostle Paul really addresses this in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 2. I want you to see what he says. He says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Translation, what? Don't, don't, don't be on that broad path. Don't be like everybody else. Don't be normal, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? The way that you think. The way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I wish I could stand before you this morning and tell you that I have perfected this in my life. That I always control the way that I think. But if I said that, I'd be lying to you. Because more times than not, you know, more times than not, I, I, I really do, I, I, think, I think wrong. More times, than not, something, more times than not, something will happen in my life and I'll get discouraged. More times than not, I might get, I might get depressed Things might not go the way that I want them to. And, and I, again, I just don't allow my thoughts to go in the direction that God wants them to go in. I, I know you've probably heard the story about these two twin brothers that were about as different as, as night and day. I mean, just completely different. One was just a huge, optimistic guy, always happy. And the other one was just such a pessimist. He was always, he was always negative. And so there was this research group that really, they wanted to, they wanted to do a, they wanted to do a study on these guys. They wanted to really figure out what was going on. And so they called in all these psychiatrists and they were going to try to change the way that they, they think. And so they, they decide, you know what, we're going to try to make this guy that's pessimist, this little boy that's negative, we're going to try to make him be positive. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put him in a room that's filled with nothing but brand new toys. You know what I mean? That'll really make him happy. It's got to make him happy. And so they put the kid in those, that room with all those new toys. And when he goes in there, instead of like screaming with excitement and being happy, he just starts crying. He's upset. And so the psychiatrist, they go in there and they're like, what's, what's wrong, man? Don't you want to play with these toys? And the, and the little boy said, of course I do, but I'm afraid if I do, I'll break up. And so they're like, oh, that's kind of weird. So he's just crying, right? And so they say, well, man, this really didn't go the way we thought. So they say, well, we're going we're gonna, to like, try to really change the way that the, the optimist, the positive guy, we're going to try to change the way he thinks. We're going to try to make him negative. And so they take him into this room that's just full of manure. I mean, from floor to ceiling. There's just horse manure everywhere. You know what I mean? And they're thinking, man, that kid's going to go in there. He's going to be so overwhelmed by the smell. He's going to be so sad. He just wants to get out of there. You know what I mean? So they take the little boy in there, and instead of the boy getting upset and bent out of shape, instead of him screaming and saying, get me out of here, he, he gets so excited. He actually starts running through the poo and moving all the poo, and he's, he's moving, yeah, and so the psychiatrists are like, what in the world is going on? So they run in there, and they're like, stop, stop, what in the world are you doing? And as he continued to move poo, the little boy said, you can't fool me with all this poo. There's got to be a pony in here, <laughs> right? What, what's, the perp- what's the point? Again, it's the way that you think. He thought differently. Well, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes, doesn't it seem like life is just a bunch of manure? Doesn't it seem like sometimes life just really stinks? Life can be messy. More times than not, that's how life is. And sometimes our minds, they, they just want to be fixated on the negative. But, but remember, God wants to change that you and I think. So, so how do we allow that to happen? How do we, how do we allow our, our thinking to change? I want you to see what Paul tells us to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 
Paul says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What do we do with our thoughts? We take them captive. We take them captive. Oh, oh, I'm I'm not going to think about that negative thing. It's not like I'm not going to recognize it. I see it. I know that it's that it's really out there, but I'm not going to allow my mind to be fixated on that thing. I'm not going to allow that negative thing to really direct the way that I live my life because the only thing that's really supposed to direct the way that I live my life is God's Holy Spirit. So instead of dwelling on those negative thoughts, I, I want to do what Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 tells us. I want to whatever, here's what Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such things. Think about those things. Is there bad in life? Yes, but you don't have to dwell on the bad. Don't dwell on the negative. We talked about this just the other day. You know what I mean? How there really are some people in this world who just want to fly around like buzzards, right? Point out all the dead stuff. Look at that. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. We don't have to be like that. We shouldn't be like that. That's what the world does, though. That's what the majority of people really do. That has, that, that's what's become normal in the world in which we live. We live. I'm, serious. I'm serious. If you turn on the news, what do you see? How many true things do you see on the news? How many admirable things do you see on the news? How many excellent things do you see on the news? How many praiseworthy things do you see on the news? It doesn't matter what news channel you watch. If you watch the news consistently, you have to wonder, how in the world has humanity made it this far? Right? I mean, it's just, it's just negative. And that's what the news wants you and I to dwell on. That's what TV shows and other things, they, they want us to dwell on. They, they want to condition the default attitude of our mind and thoughts to be negative. Why? Really important. You know why? You know why the devil in the world want to teach us to be negative? No, Robert, tell us. Okay. They do it because they want to rob us of hope. They do it because they want to rob us of hope. The devil wants you to be hopeless. The devil wants you to throw your hands up and give up and quit. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not God's will for your life. God has come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. God has come to give you something better than normal. He sent his son to give us what? To give us hope. I'm serious that you got to see this in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He says this, Paul says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how bad this world gets. It doesn't matter how how much manure really is around us. If you and I are followers of Christ, our default attitude is to know that we've got hope. We've been filled with hope that God wants to give us joy and God wants to give us 
peace. We're not like the majority. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We talked about this last week. Something to be encouraged by, something to be excited about. He has given us new birth into what? A living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is not dead. Our hope is living. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you have hope today? Do you live your life as if that is a reality for you? When people look at you, do they say, man, that person's got something that I desperately want. That person has hope. I'm telling you, God wants to change the way you think. He does. See, our, our thinking our thinking is so important. And do you know why? Because our thinking affects the way we behave. It does. Our thinking affects the way we, we behave. And that leads me to the, the second thing that I want you to see, the final thought. Is this, God not only wants to change the way that you think, but God wants to change the way that you live. He wants to change the way that you live. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Old Pete says this. Dear friends, I urge you. What is, what is Pete doing there? What is Peter doing? He is begging us. I urge you. He says, I urge you as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, among who? Among those who are on the broad path, among the majority, among, among the unbelievers. Live such good lives among those folks that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, put, put, man, listen. God wants you and I to live differently. The problem is that many of us don't. Many people who claim to be Christians, there's, there's just nothing different about the way they live their life. In many churches around the world, there are people who come to church on Sunday and they'll worship God on Sunday. I'm going to live for God on Sunday. But then Monday comes and they go to work and they go into the world, and they live just like the world. Instead of living differently, instead of living their life at a higher standard, they choose, again, just to live like the world. That's what they do. But that's not God's will for you. It's not God's will for me. It's not God's will for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, here's what the Bible says. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Imitators of who? God. Now, 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 what does it mean to imitate? What does it mean to, to, to really imitate? When I was little, one of my favorite singers was Michael Jackson. Anybody Michael Jackson fans out there? Yeah, man. We can thank Michael Jackson for musical songs like Thriller. You know what I mean? Billie Jean, Smooth Criminal. Man, listen, when I was a kid, Michael Jackson would come on the radio or something like that. You know what I would do? I start trying to sing and imitate Michael Jackson. You know, that's what, that's what I did. You better run, you better do what you can. Don't, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Don't want to 
want to see no blood, don't be a macho man. You want to be tough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Eat it! Woo! Right? I even try to, I can't, I can't, I'm in flip-flops. Some of you are like, ooh, pastor got the moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, when, when Michael Jackson's songs came on, man, I was going to imitate Imitate Michael Jackson. That's what I was going to do. I think my mom has even got a, a video. It's not like a video camera. We had that real thing. You know what I'm talking about? What'd you call that? A real, real, real. I don't know. But she got a picture of me doing it on the on the on the coffee table in the house. Ah! Anyway, so but man, when that music was on, man, I was going to be I was going to be like Michael Jackson. I imitated Michael Jackson, man. Well, we're to imitate God, but we don't just do it on Sunday. We do it every day. We we imitate God, and that means we do the things that God would do. That means we're not going to live like the world. We're not going to chase after the things that this world is chasing after. We're going to be different. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. How many of y'all just admit that when you know you're being watched, you act a little different? Some of y'all lying. Oh, I'll do it all. Man, this past week, we, Sadie Kate, we took her to the movies. Sadie, and we took all our kids to the movies, except for Lawson, who's a dicker. Anyway, uh, we weren't going to pay 12 bucks for a baby. Anyway, so uh, when, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So we go to the movie. We go to the movie. And so Sadie Kate, she wanted these gummy lifesavers. And uh, so she said I could have one gummy lifesaver. Now, everybody knows you can't just eat one gummy lifesaver, okay? And so every time I kind of went to get another lifesaver, Sadie Kate would go, one, one, one. I was like, oh, okay, I paid for them, whatever. So, so anyway, so what I would do is I figured it out. When she was looking at me, you know, I wouldn't do it because she, one, that's what she was doing. So I'd say, hey, look over there. And she'd look and then. I grab a handful of them. But no, y'all, come on. I did that several times. Don't judge me. I'm ashamed too, okay? But they were so good. I didn't do it when she was watching me. I didn't do it when she was watching me. Again, though, do you know that you're being watched? You are. This world is watching you. They're looking at the way that you live your life. And if your life's not different from theirs, you know what? They don't, they, don't, they don't think there's anything real about what you and I claim. They're watching us. The world is watching us. But you know who else is watching us? God. God is watching and God sees all. God knows all. God sees what you do in private and he sees what you do in public. So since we're being watched, we have to say, you know what? We're, we're not going to live our life the way the world lives. We're not going to get tangled up in what the world is tangled up in. We're going to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, and we're going to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Why? Because we know God has a better way for us. He doesn't want us to be normal. He wants us to be different. So he wants to change the way that you think. He wants to change the way that you live. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is, if you're a Christian, you don't live your life to please yourself, if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, 
You don't live your life to please others. If you're a Christian, you live your life to please one person. And that's God. And I want you to know today that you can live that life. You can live a life that pleases God. See, I'm almost done. I'm wrapping up. But I want you to see some words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says this. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases who? God. As we've taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do it so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And how many of y'all want to know God's will for your life? Man, I just want to know what God wants me to do. Some of y'all are like, I don't care. Hey, I want to know. Here's what he says in verse 3. God's will for you is what? For you to be holy. He goes on to say, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by those rules, by, by these rules, is not disobeying human teaching, but rejecting God. You see that? I don't want to make the word the Bible say something that it doesn't say. But if you and I don't live obediently, we're, we're not disobeying human teaching. What are we actually doing? We are rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So does it matter how you live your life? Yes. God wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way that you live. The question that each and every one of us really need to be asking ourselves this morning is have we let God do that? Have we let God do that? Don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not saying that you can work your way into heaven. I'm not saying that it's works that are going to be what saves you. It's going to be, it's going to be, your, your, it's going to be salvation is given to us freely by God, right? You can't earn your way to heaven. But if you love God, again, you'll live your life to please him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I wonder today if there's somebody here who knows they need to change their life. They know today that they need to allow God to change the way they think, that they need to allow God to change the way that they live. I wonder if there's somebody here today who knows they need to be saved and allow God's Holy Spirit to fill them and make them become someone new. If you know today you need to be saved, I'm going to ask it right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, today, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of saving. And Father, I accept what your son did on Calvary's cross for me. Today, Father, I confess Christ as Lord. And I ask 
that you would mold me into who it is that you want me to be. Father, today, thank you for saving me. And we're going to continue to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. But just for me, if you prayed that prayer today to be saved, to be made new, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you lift your hand just so I can know that God, God's working. Amen. 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 Father, today, thank you for new life. Father, also pray for each and every one of us, Father, that we would consider the way that we are living. Help us to realize that other people are watching us, Father, and, and, and we're not trying to impress them, Father, but we understand that the way we live our life really does have the ability to allow them to see the life we live and praise you in heaven. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to be obedient. Father, thank you today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.